I thought there shouldn't be any direct benefit to tactically from from becoming a citizen because I should have all the same rights already. However, there could be a benefit in the future uh, without, and it's, it's kind of unpredictable what might happen in the future. So, so there's some kind of security from this. This is Naslovensko i Bonglitsky. I'm Jeremy Hill. Welcome. This is the second part of our episode on citizenship. In the first part, we offered an introduction to the topic with some basic facts on citizenship, followed by a conversation with an American who is currently seeking Slovak citizenship by descent. His story shows how complex the construct of citizenship really is. It also raises some interesting questions about the relationship between the bureaucratic formality of citizenship and the cultural identity one forms during childhood. In this second part, we are examining naturalization through the eyes of one successful new Slovak citizen. But first, I must offer a disclaimer. This episode is not meant to be a guide, but rather a conversation starter. However, there will be some useful information for those looking to obtain Slovak citizenship. For those seeking more information, I recommend looking at the IOM website. There you can find details about the requirements and step-by-step instructions. I'll link to the page in the show notes. Now, on to our guest, Richard Swales. In 2002, Swales traveled from his hometown of Yorkshire, England, to visit Slovakia with a friend. The trip was only scheduled to be six months, but after finding work as an English teacher, the young computer programmer decided to stay a bit longer. Now, after 21 years, this bit longer has become a permanent home. Growing up, Richard had always been open to travel. As a child, he and his family had lived in Brussels for a few years, which he remembers fondly. Swales describes his family as worldly, but still committed to improving the UK. This led his father to eventually becoming a member of parliament. Living in Slovakia certainly wasn't something Richard had envisioned for himself, but when the opportunity came, he didn't hesitate. Over the years he worked for various schools and eventually opened his own. He fell in love with a Slovak woman and had children. In the early 2010s, Swales had made a comfortable home for himself, but he didn't yet have the security of citizenship. It is at this point in his story we pick up our conversation did gain citizenship. So uh, when did yeah. you decide to do that? When did you decide to apply? Uh, okay, so I th- I thought about it. I'd been thinking about it for a long time. In maybe about, I, I would say probably something like 2012, 2014, something like this, I decided, but I kept pu- I kept putting it off. I eventually got citizenship in 2019. I applied in, tw- I, I got the papers together or started getting the papers together in 2018. And I... Uh, I applied, um, well, I got it in 2019. And um, the push to kind of do it, there was multiple factors, really. Um, obviously, I'm British, and and Britain has left the European Union. So in theory, British people who were here at the time we left the European Union are supposed to have equal rights still as if, as if we'd never left. And it's the same for Slovak people who were in the UK when um, Britain left the European Union. So... 
we're kind of grandfathered in uh, that uh, we don't lose our European rights in theory. But, um, you know, things can change. And I also, also, for example, reading stories from elsewhere in the world, uh, people who'd lived in Australia for 30 years but had never taken citizenship and people who'd lived in the US for 30 years and never taken citizenship and suddenly find... Um, and there's some stories from Britain as well, people who moved from Jamaica in the 1960s. And it's kind of questionable if, there's, if they... It was, according to the government, at least, it was questionable if they were citizens or not. Uh, there was a big scandal that they said they said they weren't. Um, some of those people had been around since since um, those Caribbean islands had been British colonies, and so they'd never they'd actually never gone abroad in the in the truest sense. And so the thing is, everything can change. And I I, I thought um, I thought there shouldn't be any direct benefit to tactically from from becoming a citizen because I should have all the same rights already. However, there could be a benefit in the future uh, without, and it's, it's kind of unpredictable what might happen in the future. So, so there's some kind of security from this. Uh, secondly, um, secondly, relating to politics as well, in 2018, as I was applying, uh, this was, there, was, uh, there were protests in the streets. A journalist was, and his uh, fiance were assassinated and there were protests in the street about this in 2018. And as a foreigner, I kind of felt that I shouldn't really say anything about what I think and I shouldn't really give my opinion too much. I, I think different foreigners have different ideas about this, but I think generally as a foreigner, if you try to intervene in the politics of another country, it's often counterproductive. And so I, I kind of felt that I should more or less be quiet. And so I, I um, however, of course, I'm, I have kids here, so... You know, I have a stake in the society. So that was another factor that um, I, I kind of felt that I should be included in that way. So did you always expect that one day you would become a citizen? I don't know about that. I, well, I mean, at certainly all at, at first, I, I, I had no idea if I would stay forever, I, I guess. So um, I didn't always know. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that that's a natural next step for migrants? I think if they're not intending to leave at any point, then yes, mm-hmm. it, it probably is. Although it depends on the country. Um, Slovakia is not Slovakia doesn't give citizenship out perhaps as easily as as every other country. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Although actually, this is this is the thing. I think when as I was applying, I thought I thought um, it's a slightly unusual situation that, uh, for example, going for the language test, I couldn't ask anybody what the language test was like because I didn't know a single other person who had applied. And if you kind of think about the world just as a whole, uh, people who are applying for citizenship of other countries, almost every single person who's applying for citizenship of another country knows somebody else who's already done it. Uh, for example, in the US, pretty much, I, I would al- I imagine that almost everybody who's applying there would be, you know, for example, would be from some some groups speaking some language and they know other people um, in their community who've done the same thing already. And I didn't know anybody. So I, I suspect that means, um, well, perhaps it, perhaps it means I'm very integrated and I don't know all of the other British people who've applied, but it may also, it, it, I think it does mean that just very few people apply and very few people get, uh, get it. I, I don't know. I think this is the other thing that you don't necessarily know who didn't get it because I didn't really tell many people I was applying until after I'd got it. It was, uh, I, I, tend, I, I, wanted, I kept that to myself because you don't really want to tell people that you, you applied and then they said no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so let's talk about the, the process 
So the, the foreign police don't uh, oversee these applications, right? This is the, the uh, they, don't, they don't oversee it. Um, you have to basically collect a, a load of documents from various uh, people. The foreign police is one of those places. So you collect um, a document from the foreign police, which says how long you've been in uh, Slovakia, what, um, what, what status you've had. Uh, in my case, in my case, my temporary residence was converted to permanent residence when Slovakia joined the European Union. Because back in 2002, when it came, Slovakia wasn't in. And um, they, uh, so, so this was all written down, and that was one of the documents. But you also need to collect documents from, in my case, this was in triplicate, because as a person, uh, as a jivnost, as a uh, so a sole trader, I guess, or a person with business licenses, and then also, I'm the director of my language school, which is an SRO company, and it's like a like a limited liability partnership type thing. And so, I needed to collect all of this stuff three like in triplicate from, for example, a customs office. I don't have debts at the customs office, at the health insurance office, at the tax office. The tax office actually said I did have a debt, and it was some it was some very small amount. It was at less than three euros or less than 10 euros. So it was actually less than the amount they would write a letter to tell me about. But when I showed up asking if I had a debt, they said like, well, yeah, you do so. Wow. <laughs> and and so, so I had to pay the three euros or, or whatever it was. It was a very small amount. So I so then of course they obviously then gave me the, the papers. Uh, also, I live, I live, um, I live in Kosice in Yazero. So my um, the count, my local council basically here in in the borough of Kosice uh, has to kind of say yes, we will accept this person as a resident, which is nonsense, of course, because most of this stuff is nonsense. Because I, I am a resident already, um, or I was a resident already as a foreigner, and even voting, even voting in uh, council elections in um, in Yazero. But but they had to they had to say they approved. Um, the foreign police also actually came round to my flat, my my previous flat, and um, they j just to basically check. I'm not sure exactly what they were checking for, but I, I suppose if there'd been twenty of us like sleeping on the floor, they might not have looked very good. But they came to just check. So that was kind of um, that was kind of interesting. So you had all your documents together, and then yeah. you can. Uh apply uh, formally and uh, they set a date for a, a test right so uh, they're testing mm -hmm. you for profi proficiency in the Slovak language and civics yeah that's right, right yeah so the test they basically uh, just ask questions it was uh, a, a group of three or four ladies who work at the office there in um, in, in the Ministry of the interior there's not the office which deals with this stuff and they called me in and just we just chatted in Slovak and they kind of asked what I knew about Slovakia um, if I had some idea of the history of Slovakia it was it wasn't exactly uh, school um, it wasn't exactly school history but you know if you could reduce the history of Slovakia into 10 points uh, you know 1918 1948 1989 1993 if you roughly knew what happened in these in, in 1968 as well obviously I, I pretty much went through these kinds of these kinds of things and they're like okay so you know about his the history and they, they seemed i i think they just wanted to know what to, to, just to check that i know where effectively where it is what this place is and um what i'm getting into by becoming a citizen 
Mm. So that's yeah. So that I, th- I think that's 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 kind of the things they were asking, mm-hmm. and at the same time, obviously, they're looking at how I express myself in Slovak, mm-hmm. and uh, so there's uh, not a, a separate that. test for Slovak. Uh, there isn't exactly a separate test. The conversation is itself mm-hmm. the test. Mm-hmm. However, there is one part of, the, of it which they do uh, where they say um, where you read an article and you're supposed to read the article aloud. And mm-hmm. the articles are always on non-political topics because we're not meant to talk politics at the um, at the citizenship test. And uh, they, oh, well, or, or they're not meant to ask about politics, I guess it would be perhaps more accurate. So this, the article they, they gave was about a guy from Košice who does uh, parachuting and base jumping. And I read this article aloud. Then basically I had to write on paper a summary of the article. So, so effectively rewrite the article in my own words without, without sight of the original article. So it's quite, that's quite hard. And that, obviously that piece, that piece of paper then goes to, um, then goes to Bratislava. So it's the only kind of physical evidence that, um, you know, that's from the test exactly. So it, it is partly, I think, their subjective judgment of does this person have good enough Slovak or don't they? But um, the written um, the written test, I think, is probably quite important because if you completely mess it up, I guess that they don't want to look fool- like fools uh, to the people in Bratislava saying like, no, but really this person. So I suspect that's probably the most important. But nobody's ever really told me what the pass criteria are for that. I've never heard of anybody who failed it and I've never heard of any other person who passed. So I'm the only data point that I have. So I really don't know how good you have to be. As far as I, as far as I know, nobody's ever said it's you know in this European scale, it's B one or it's C one or no. I've never heard anybody say say that uh, that kind of thing. How did you prepare yourself? Uh, one thing I did. Uh, th- this was back in 2019. One of the questions they asked actually was um, what are called here najvyššie ustavne činitelje. So basically the big three in Slovak politics. Um, this is always a really difficult phrase to translate to English because, for example, in Britain, we, we don't really have the equivalent. So there's the president, um, the prime minister and the speaker of parliament. Obviously, in Britain, we have a prime minister, but the, the equivalent of the president is the king or, or at the time the queen, which we kind of think of as a completely different type of of person. And then the Speaker of Parliament is equivalent to four different uh, roles within uh, the British system. So the, the Speaker of House of Commons, leader of the government, leader in the House, and the same two uh, positions in the House of Lords. So that's four people. And not and none of those individually are, are really comparable in importance to that, that role in Slovakia. But in any case, they asked me if I knew who these three people were. The election for, or the runoff rather, for the president was happening that weekend. They said... Um, Okay, so I start. In fact, we never got onto who the prime minister was, but we, we said, okay, so president is Kiska. However, this is this weekend. There's the runoff coming. The one piece of preparation I did was on the way. I looked up on the on the uh, on my phone when the winner actually takes over, because it's not immediately after the election like it would be in the UK. It's more like the US where they take over a couple of months afterwards. In this case, in fact, the election was in March and they were taking over at the very end of June, I think, that year. And I looked up the exact date. So so that, that was pretty nice that I could actually use it in the test. And so I, so I said, like, oh, well, OK. So, you know, I talked about who the candidates were. It was uh, Shevchovich and obviously the current president. 
And uh, I said, well, however, you know, if Chaputov or wins, they don't take over immediately. They take over on the 26th of June or whatever the exact date was. And that, of course, sounded like really good because <laughs> the, the, average, the average Slovak wouldn't actually be, have been able to name the date. Um, and mm-hmm. in fact, I can't anymore. But uh, there we are. So was this the, the most challenging part of the, the whole process, uh, this test? I guess so, because you can't really fail collecting documents from the tax office that don't have that you don't have debt. I, I would say I, I would say I didn't necessarily feel that way because I'd already been to this office and spoken um, and spoken to them about what the procedure was, what documents I would need, and um, how to, for example, how to get a criminal record check from the UK. Uh, you know what type of criminal record check it had to be, and this all this type of stuff. So I'd already been to talk to them. And I, I, I'd got on quite reasonably well with the, the lady who was there. And she she gave me the impression that my Slovak was going to be good enough. So I was reasonably confident. But the other part of the process is, after all of this is done, it all goes to Bratislava. The, the whole application goes to Bratislava. And they, um, you know, or I guess most of your listeners probably live in Bratislava, but it goes to central government would be a more accurate way to say it. So it goes to the central government and they um, they just decide. And there's also a secret service check as well. So so I, d- I don't know, like um, my my spying activities obviously didn't, <laughs> didn't, uh, <laughs> no didn't set off any alarm bells there. <laughs> uh, alarm bells there. So it, it is entirely subjective that nobody there's no right to get Slovak citizenship. So you don't you have no idea if they're going to decide they like you or not. Yeah, I, I, I did feel like I would probably get it. I also had a fairly, I also had a fairly well written CV because the application does involve a CV because I do translating as well as teaching. Um, my main activity is teaching, but I also translate. But for example, through not directly, but through agencies, I've done translations, for example, of um, things from the Slovak government that have gone to other countries. So, for example, Slovakia got onto the so some kind of human rights committee in the in the United Nations. And it was an election where the, the number of candidates was actually the same as the number of positions because it was all agreed in advance anyway. But what what we would might call election material, so some kinds of some uh, documents they had for that, uh, were tra- I, were translated by me through an agency. The, the government didn't actually directly come to me to ask them, but the agency picked me because they thought I would be best. And so that kind of sounds pretty good uh, if you're applying for citizenship. That um, you know I helped the successful. The successful campaign to be, to get on this committee. So I, I mean, obviously, I, I guess the average person applying cut doesn't have stuff exactly like that. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, kind of, ne- I, I didn't know to what extent a negative would be. Um, pretty much everything I do in Slovakia, the you know, my business teaching English, translating into English, uh, is very closely associated with you know my original country. So I didn't know if that would look good or bad, but. Um, I mm-hmm. tried to make it look good. At the end of the test, you have no way of knowing if you actually pass th- that test. They, there's no thumbs up or thumbs down, like you know. Uh, not started. exactly, but I, I did feel it had gone pretty well. Mm-hmm. I, I, in fact, they did say s- something like, um, it, "It's not, it's not entirely their their decision." I think, but it, mm-hmm. they did say something like. Um, oh, you have very good vocabulary. Uh, they said, you know, you speak with a bit of an accent, but that's not actually. We're not meant to test on accent, apparently. so uh, that's useful information I can yeah. give you. Yeah, they said they said that the test isn't supposed to include um, 
accent as long as it's understandable. It's but um, they said I had good vocabulary, so that mm. was great. How did you find out that you actually passed and they they are going to uh, award right. you so, public so citizenship? I actually got. I actually heard in July, so I took the test in March, mm-hmm. and I heard in July, and then you have to pay the fee. There is there's a fee, I think, which is actually quite a lot of money. I, I can't remember exactly how much it was, but hundreds of euros. You pay the fee, and then you go and you kind of sw- you know swear allegiance, I suppose we can say, and you pick up a certificate, and then you t- then there's a ho- this there's this three more months left after this. Oh wow! You then pick up that you well perhaps because this was happening over summer, but you pick up a certificate, and you can use the certificate to apply for a Slovak birth certificate, hmm. uh, which took a couple of months to come over summer. And because it's not just the local office that would give you your kids' birth certificates, it, there's what's called Osobitna Matrika, so a registry office in, again, in, in the capital, which is, exact, which is exactly for people like us, because we weren't born here, so there's no, there's no registry office for where we were born. We're, we're, we're at this kind of central one. And that office took a long time to, to issue the certificate. I'm not sure why. You apply at a normal registry office, but then they send it on. They send it, uh, they send it on. And so I got, I got that in something like September. And um, when you've got a birth certificate, then you can apply for an ID card. So I got my ID card, I think, the end of September. No, so it was two more months, actually. It was two months, not three. And then the end of the process, uh, I collected my ID card. I walked across the I walked across the hall to the foreign police and handed in my uh, foreigner's ID card because I never ever need to go to that office <laughs> ever again. <laughs> so, so that was wonderful. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a wonderful feeling. Never to so have to go to that office again. There was no ceremony. There was no swearing in, so to speak. Uh, only only in the office and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in the office, the head of the office was there, and I, I talked to her a little bit. And um, and th- there's something you say, you know, I swear allegiance to the Slovak Republic and, and so on. Mm-hmm. But um, there's no, um, yeah, there's not a big ceremony with other people. It's not like, uh, you know, 30 people who all got it the same day. It, it's just, you just go into the office uh, when, when they're there. The lady actually asked, like, was I here when you did the test? And of course, like I'm terrible at remembering faces, and I just thought, well, there was three or four ladies, so <laughs> maybe. So I, I, so to kind of help her out, I said, like, um, well, yeah, I did the test in March, and I was wondering if she'd say, like, oh, I was away in March, or yeah, I was definitely there, or something. But she said, wait, what? You mean like March this year? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, well, that's that's really quick. So, hmm. so I think obviously it, it's quite unusual that somebody does the test and then it actually the whole thing gets turned around in four months because I think they have up to two years to decide. Uh, at least, at least she gave the impression that four months was quick. Um, so <laughs> that depresses uh, your listeners a bit, but. Um, <laughs> That was, uh, this may, maybe they've, <laughs> yeah, maybe they've sped up since then, but mm-hmm. um, maybe that was the new normal that she just, uh, that maybe they all, they're all quick now. So it felt good to, to hand in your, uh, your residency card. Uh, but yes. in general, how, how did it feel to become a Slovak citizen? Uh, great, great. Yeah. I feel more like part of society. Although just mm-hmm. a certain extent I did anyway, I, I would say that it, it, I would say it's more, it reflects more the reality this way. I'll give you an example. Um, for voting in European Parliament elections, uh, you have to be a European Union citizen, and you're only allowed to vote in, in one uh, state. 
So if a, if, a, if a person from another European Union state registers to vote in Slovakia, uh, sorry, if, if you want to vote, then you have to go to your local government office, in my case, Jazero in Kosice, and you, you basically say, and then they, write, they, then they write to your home country to say that you should be taken, you shouldn't be allowed to vote in the home country. One, the, so the second year I went, um, so this was, this was in uh, 2014. So I, I, I voted in 20, 2009 and also in 2014 like this. In 2014, I went on the last possible day and I was the only person who'd registered to vote. Uh, out of and there's a, there are like hundreds of foreigners living in in uh, Yazero. It's it's perhaps not the most. Uh, it's perhaps not. Yeah, there's there's hundreds of foreigners living in Yazero. But I was the only one who actually registered to vote for Slovak political parties rather than the ones in my home country. So I, I would say that's a good example of of uh, why um, I, I think to a large extent it, it reflected the situation that already existed. Of course, of course, Slovak is um, a citizenship as well as what they call a nationality here. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are people of Slovak nationality, but living in Serbia who have Serbian citizenship. And there are obviously many people of Hungarian nationality or ethnicity, we could say, uh, living in Slovakia. And I guess I'm a Slovak citizen of English nationality. I, 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 I'm not going to change my, you know, my first language is English and it will always be. And certainly from the point of view of Slovaks, to, to be of Slovak nationality, uh, that's primarily people whose first language is Slovak. So I think they'll never see me exactly as, as a Slovak, but I think they see me as part of Slovak society now. I, I think that's, uh, that changes. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a change, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it, it is very different um, to become citizen of an old world country such as Slovakia uh, rather than a new world country because in a way in, in the United States, essentially everybody except the Native Americans, their history is that at some point, you know, they got uh, citizenship and, uh, you know, they came and uh, they came over and became American. Yeah, whereas whereas that's that's certainly not how it works in an old world country. Britain's kept Britain because of its um, kind of colonial past, and a few other countries like France, I think, and maybe Spain are, are slightly different. But um, the particularly in this part of Europe, uh, I, I mean, my kids, my, I think my kids are seen as Slovak, but I'm, I'm I think I'm still seen as an outsider to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Do you feel let down by that? Uh, not really. No, it's it's kind of what I expected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, would, I, I would, I would, I would say also yeah. that's not necessarily what they've said to me directly, but mm-hmm. um, you know they know. Uh, people hear a foreign accent, so if you have a foreign accent, you're seen as a foreigner, mm-hmm. and I think I, I think that's natural. I think it's natural. Right. It, 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 I, I'm not sure it would necessarily be healthy if people's idea of themselves was entirely uh, defined by you know a nation people's idea of who is who are our compatriots if that was entirely defined by some government office i don't think that's necessarily how it should work anyway but uh yeah i i, I do feel part of society in the sense of you know you go to the school um you go to the school uh parents meeting and you don't feel like a guest there anymore you feel like um you're one of the people who um you know whose opinion matters uh, now you have uh, voting privileges. So yes, have you yeah. had a chance to vote in national elections yet? Uh, uh, yeah, there was, the there was an election. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, there was an election in 2020, in February 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I did vote in that election. How did that feel? Uh, great. Uh, yeah, it did feel great. Yeah. 
Yeah. Although obviously I voted many times in local elections and local council elections and also European elections in Slovakia. Yeah, it did feel pretty good. In Slovakia, of course, there's so many different levels of um, of government. Uh, if, if you live in, in Košice or Bratislava particularly, because here we have uh, our local... Um, our our local part of of Košice, and it's the same in Bratislava. Then we have the mayor of we can vote for, and we can vote for the council of Yazero and the mayor of Yazero, and then we can vote for the council of Košice and the mayor of Košice. We can vote for the assembly members of the region and then the regional chairman or or president he calls himself over here. And then uh, there's the same thing at the national level. We've got parliament we can vote for, we can vote for the president, and then we can vote at the European parliament level. So there's five different geographical levels with, um, I don't know, something like nine different, uh, eight or nine different elections for them. So it's um, there's plenty to vote for. So, so, so right. voting for president, which I've not done yet, of course, because I missed, um, I, I just missed the one in 2019. And voting for parliament, though those those are the those are the those are the people who really run things. So that, that's um, those are the big elections. Right. But yeah, right. it was it was nice to kind of not be on the separate list as well. Because if you vote in a council election here, for some reason the uh, the foreigners who live in that part of the town they're on a separate list at the end of the print off. Because they, I guess because we're registered with the foreign police and not the local council or something. But yeah, that to be like just in the list, uh, just next to my wife was uh, was nice. Like okay, yeah, now I'm a real person. So do you have any advice for, for others seeking citizenship? Not really, um, because because I, I would say it's not necessarily as hard as you think. Just just plow through and get the get the documents and then go do the test. I'm not really in a position to advise on what level of um, what level of Slovak is required to pass the test because uh, as I said, I don't I would have to know a, a group of people who had passed and a group of people who'd failed, and then I would be able to draw some kind of a line. Uh, so I can't really advise on that, but um, no, I would say if somebody's if somebody's at the if somebody's thinking about it, then they should they should probably do it. If somebody's mm-hmm. already thinking about it, you could revise a bit of history and geography before the test. Maybe that's advice, but um, it doesn't even have to be in that much in that much depth because uh, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily, particularly with the geography, you can't necessarily predict what they're going to ask you about. They asked me about rivers. I'd been um, I'd been on the tour up at Chermny Klashtor. You can ride on ra- on these um, rafts, and the guy on the tour mentioned that okay, this this river, the Dunayets, and also the Poprad, these rivers go to uh, flow into the Vistula, uh, the Visla, and um, go to the Baltic Sea. Whereas all of the other rivers in Slovakia end up eventually in the Danube and uh, the Black Sea. And so, so they, when they asked me to name rivers, um, I started with you know the Dunajec and the Poprad, and I said like, and those go into, and of course I repeated this nice uh, geographical fact. <laughs> but um, so I guess I got lucky there. I, I don't know. It's it's hard to know because it's hard to know. I, I would have had to be sitting in a sitting watching somebody fail to then come back and say to say, then say to somebody, well, no, I, I don't think you're good enough to pass, or or yes, you are good enough to pass. I would I would really have had to see other people or or maybe not sit with them when they talk, take the test, but to have actually met somebody else, I would have had, had to, that would have, um, that would put me in a position where I could actually advise somebody. Would you say it was worth it? Would you do it again? Uh, yeah, I would say it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And do you know what? Uh, at the start I said, um, I said it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. And really when coronavirus started, I actually found it a lot 
a lot simpler to, that I was already a citizen. So, for example, you would read um, you would read some something in the media that would that say, okay, so don't worry, uh, Slovak citizens can fly into. Budapest, Hungary is closed, but don't worry, Slovak citizens can fly into Budapest and go up and down that motorway between, well, the, well, I guess also the ones who, uh, between Kosice and, and uh, Budapest and the ones probably, there was probably more than one route. But, um, and then you actually, you, then you actually look it up and you actually look up the original rules and it says residence. But there's this kind of very loose use of kind of citizens or residents and they don't necessarily... They people who write, particularly people who are writing in Slovak language, are not necessarily thinking about. Well, people who are residents might also be reading this in Slovak language. I'm, I'm actually using the right terminology here. So it was it was kind of a lot simpler to actually just say like, oh yeah, great. So me, my kids, my wife, we're all citizens. So we just we can just follow the normal. You know, we, we just we just know that what the rules are going to be. In Kosice, there's a foreigners in Kosice Facebook group, and uh, we spend a lot of that time. Um, trying to work out what the rules were for foreigners and were people going to be able to get back into the country and that type of thing. You don't know what bullets you've dodged necessarily. So, for example, I went to Spain during coronavirus, during the summer when it was it was open. So, obviously, coming back uh, at the airport, you're showing a Slovak ID card and boarding a flight to, to Hungary. It's like no problem. But maybe the Spanish people would have thought it was only for citizens and not for residents. And just, it makes everything a lot simpler. It definitely makes everything a lot simpler. Richard's path to citizenship shows how challenging the process can be, but he certainly has some advantages going in. His home country allows dual citizenship. England is also a highly developed country that can easily supply the necessary documents for the naturalization process. Clearly, Swales had the capacity and time to learn Slovak history and civics. As well, he had the time and financial resources to obtain the necessary documents and pay the application fee. This is not to diminish the great deal of effort over many years Richard invested in becoming a citizen. But had any of the variables previously mentioned not panned out, it would have derailed the whole process. Even without that burgundy passport, he would still be the same law-abiding and knowledgeable person who contributes to Slovak society every day with his taxes, patronage of Slovak businesses, his teaching of Slovak children, and his many other contributions to the future of Slovakia. Does his hard-fought citizenship meaningfully change any of that? Are those that lack the opportunity to fulfill all of the obligations of citizenship less worthy? Or should we question the disparities of opportunity? That is all for this episode. Thank you to Richard Swales for taking the time to speak with me. Ďakujeme Kulminer, realizované s finančnou podporou fondu na podporu kultúry národnostných menšín. I also want to thank Fusion for all their support. Fusion is a program of the Milan Šemečka Foundation. Their goal is to create a platform for migrants living in Slovakia whose voices should be heard more in our society. Fusion hosts the Fusion Festival, and with the cooperation of migrants and their communities, organizes other events around the country to showcase the art, projects, perspectives, and stories of these lesser-known people. To learn more about their events and hear the stories of other migrants living in Slovakia, visit fusion.sk. That's F-J-U-Z-N Also, follow them on social media. I'll link to them in the show description. Let's keep this conversation going online. You can follow the show at my website, 
nsapapodcast.eu and follow us on social media. I'll link to them in the show description. Next time, we are starting with a series of episodes looking at individual life stories. I hope you'll join us then. Thanks for listening and take care.